Thank you. Good evening. Great. You can take your seats. You're glad that 6pm service is back on this week, so much missed that last Sunday. Felt a bit weird, didn't it, not being here, but uh, it's good to be back together. And we're having a great day in church across all locations. It's good to have everybody here from Sheffield and Derby with us as well tonight. Good to be together. Uh, title of my message tonight is actually a question. I want to ask you a question tonight. And the question is this, what will we do with freedom? What will we do with freedom? And I think it's an important question. You know, what does freedom look like? What does freedom look like to you and and to me? You know, in a a so-called free world that we live in, uh, certainly in the UK, uh, there are things, even in, in a free world, you know, where we think we've got free speech and that sort of thing, there's some countries they don't have that kind of freedom that we have. But even in the so-called free world, you know, we can find ourselves bound by things. We can find ourselves being held by things and even find ourselves in chains, not literally speaking, but things that can hold us and, and can bind us. But on the flip side of that, you know, you can go to a country across our world that is oppressed, uh, not apparently free at all from the outside looking in. But you can find yourself, people in that place, that are in a personal place of incredible freedom. You know, they are so, so free and they're giving praise to God and giving glory to God, even in a, a place that feels like oppression. And I've been reminded recently, even in the last few days, uh, that several times recently, uh, where when, you can, when you're reading the Old Testament about, about God's people, the Jews, some of their best times when they were in exile, you know, when they were in chains, if you like, or in prison, their best times in exile, they were close to God, they were, they were growing in their faith, they were so much closer to God and they were giving praise to God. Even though they weren't really free on the outside, there was this incredible freedom that they were experiencing on the inside. And you know, I think in many respects, as in, in, in our world, as, as human beings today, we're in ex- exile. You know, we're in a, a broken world. You know, there's another place for us that God has prepared for us. And this is just a temporary place. We're in exile and we're in a, a broken world that is full of sin and, and sickness and fears and anxiety. But you know, we today can know real freedom. We can know real freedom. It's an inner freedom. It's, it says that my soul is well, even though what's going off around me is, is chaos, that we can know freedom. Even if all that stuff around me is happening, but, but you know something or someone has broken the chains that has set me free, that held me. And you can know that freedom in your life today. Jesus said these words in John 8, 36. He says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If the Son, Jesus, sets you free, you will be free indeed. It was Jesus' mission to free us. He knew that there was a world that was, that was locked up, that was in chains, that was broken, but He came to set people free. And I love the fact that He quoted prophet Isaiah when He came to earth. Jesus said this, and He was reading Isaiah. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim what? freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. Jesus came to set us free. God wants us to be free. But you know, we have an enemy who wants the exact opposite for us. He doesn't want us to be free. The Bible says that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion. I was thinking about that. That's why I've got this illustration here, my, my megaphone. Somebody Somebody said this, when it comes to the devil prowling around like a, a lion, because the interesting word is like a lion. See, the devil's not a lion. You know, he's not a roaring lion. He just thinks he is. 
But it, they said this, you know, it's a bit like a mouse using a megaphone. You know, he's trying to get your attention. He's trying to get you not free, but bound and in chains. He's trying to say that you're not really free. You can't know freedom. You know, and he's walking around with this megaphone, you know, shouting like a mouse, but like a lion, you know, trying to put you off and distract you from what God wants for you. Can I do this? Oh, it's not going to work, is it? Working. Oh, it's working. One, two. We're giving it all away. Come on. We're giving it all away. Oh, I always wanted to do that. Oh. There was a blast from... I'd love to do that song. Can we do that song? No, you probably can't do that song tonight, but I did love that. <laughs> But God wants us to be free. God wants you to be free. And don't listen to that roaring mouse, as it were. You know, listen to what Jesus has for you. He wants you to be free. But let me ask that question again. What, what does being free look like? Did you ever get lost as a child? I know it's a scary feeling. I remember, I think one of those little fears or big fears, if you like, that you remember as a child is when you, you lose touch with your parents, you know, your mum or your dad, you might have been in the supermarket, you might have been on holiday somewhere, but you just get that feeling, that moment when you know they're not, they're not around and you just get that horrible sense of where are they? I'm, I'm lost and I'm afraid. And uh, I think the only example, real example I can remember for us with our kids was when, uh, when we lost Amy and... Um, we were on holiday in Devon, uh, down on the beach. I can't remember what beach it was, but it might have been Croy Bay or something like that. But, uh, but we lost Amy, you know, we lost her for a... It seemed like, a, for actually, Jane lost Amy, by the way. Let me just say that. <laughs> My wife. It's true, isn't it? <laughs> so uh, she'd taken Amy down to the, to the sea. Uh, we were, you know, when, you, when we're on the beach, it's a very long beach, and we were right at the top. She took Amy down to the sea, and I was sort of relaxing as you do, as dads do. Uh, and she took the kids. The boys were down there in the sea. I think it was just uh, Ben and Daniel, our oldest two at the time. Uh, Jacob was just a twinkle in my eye um, at that moment. He wasn't born. <laughs> was he there? Oh. oh, that's right. I was looking after Jacob, wasn't I? No, I wasn't looking after Jacob. <laughs> No, it's all right. <laughs> you still lost Amy, whatever you want to say. You can shout all your life. <laughs> but I just remember Jane running up the beach to me and says, I can't find Amy, I can't find... She'd le- actually, she'd left them. She'd left Amy. She says, you stay with the boys down here. I'm just going to go back to Gavin. And when she went back, obviously Amy wasn't there and the boys, whatever they were doing, they'd never noticed that uh, the sister had uh, disappeared. But I think it was that moment, you know, you might remember this as a child as well, where you're heading back up to, the, to, the, to where you think your parents are. And they're over at this side of the beach, but you, you head that way. And I think Amy, what she'd done, she'd followed her mum, thinking she were following her mum, but she, she didn't. She, she got lost. And uh, just that frantic moment where Jane comes back saying, I can't find Amy. And then we go searching, searching for her frantically. But we found her, obviously. But it sent like a, a lifetime. You know, just, just that fear of, of losing somebody and being lost is a horrible thing. You know, I think there are two fundamental rules. My mum taught me this when, about when you get lost. First of all, don't get lost. That's the first thing. <laughs> when you're out with your mum and dad, stay with them, stand by them. And obviously mums, stay with your daughters as well. Don't leave them. Um, 
<laughs> the second important rule, I think this is an important one. If you get lost, stay in that place. Stay in one place. You're much easier to find. Uh, and my mum would continually remind me about that, that I needed to stand firm when I was lost. And if I did, she would find me sooner rather than later. And Paul says a similar thing in Galatians 5 verse 1. In Galatians chapter 5 verse 1. He said this, it was for freedom or for freedom's sake that Christ has set us free. I love that. It's for freedom. For freedom's sake, Jesus set us free. Then he says this, stand firm then. Stand firm then. And do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Stand firm. And there are two incredible parts to this in what he's saying. One is this, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're free. If you follow Jesus, you are free. You are free. You're free from the penalty of sin. You're free from the power of sin, from the law of the system uh, of salvation. You're free from superstition and everything that can enslave you. You're free. Paul says we're free and he says it emphatically. He says it with emphasis. He re- literally says that it's for freedom that Jesus has freed us. It's for freedom's sake. See, freedom is both a verb and a noun. And Jesus' whole mission was to free us. Paul tells us in the clearest of terms that in Jesus Christ, we have been freed. But then he says this, stand firm therefore, stand firm therefore and do not again, do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So one of the most important things for us as followers of Jesus is to simply stand firm. Stand firm. Paul is saying what my mum said to me. Whatever you do, don't get lost and don't wander off. Stand firm where I've put you. Stand firm in the place where you've got, I've got you, where I'm holding you. Stay in one place. Guard against wandering off from the freedom that has been won for us through the saving grace of Jesus. You're free, you're emphatically free. Now stand firm in that freedom and don't wander off, don't get lost. There's a place of freedom that you can know tonight, but be careful that you don't wander off from that place of freedom. And I've got three important truths about freedom that I wanna share with you tonight. Three important truths. Are you ready for these? Number one, number one, freedom comes at a price. Freedom comes at a price. If you ask any, anyone of a, an older generation who can remember certainly World War II, maybe not World War I, you'll often, you know, if you ask them the question, why did we have to go through those wars? The, the common answer or the, the most answer often used is that that's the price that you have to pay for freedom. That was a price that we had to pray, pay for freedom. And you know, human nature has this desire, this hunger for freedom. But true freedom comes at a price. And I believe that Jesus paid that price for each and every one of us. Jesus paid that price so that we today in this place can know real freedom and true freedom. This is what 1 Timothy 2 verse 6 says about that. He says, this is Jesus, he gave his life, he gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. Jesus paid the price, he purchased freedom for everyone. Jesus came and paid that price for freedom. And these were his words at the point of death on the cross as well. Let me read this account from John chapter 19, verses 28 to 30. This is that moment when Jesus, and he died. And verse 28, it says, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch and held it up to his lips. 
When Jesus had tasted it, he said this, it is finished. And then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. I love those words, it is finished. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, his work of salvation and redemption was complete. Matthew, Mark and Luke say that he gave out a loud cry as he died. But John adds the detail of what Jesus said in that moment, those words, it is finished. And you know, Jesus being a carpenter, uh, would have been familiar with that expression because it was used when they were buying and selling in those days and it was a business term. And the Greek word translated from those, uh, those words, it is finished, it's a Greek word and it's, it's tetelestai and it means paid in full. So Jesus said, when he said it is finished, what he was saying is it's paid in full. He paid the price, it is finished, it is paid in full. Jesus completed the work required to bring us back into a relationship with God. He bridged that gap, he bridged that divide. No other work was required. You know, we cannot do anything further to the work of Jesus. And even if we somehow could, there is no need for us to do so. See, Jesus paid it all, he gave it all for us. And this is the picture. The picture is this, that Jesus having completed his mission, when he died, when he gave his life at the cross, gives a victory shout. It's a victory shout. It is finished, I believe, is a victory shout. It's a shout emerging from his joy. It's not a, I'm glad this is all over kind of shout. No, it's a victory shout. The victory is won. The captives are free. Victory conquered death and he set us free. Come on. And then the greatest thing at that moment I love is that at that moment to signify that this path to God, this path to, the, to having peace with God was now open, that in the temple it says the curtain was torn from top to bottom. And the curtain was what the thing in the Holy of Holies, the temple, what separated us from God. Only the priest could go uh, and, and sort of be in that place with God. But that when it says the curtain was torn top to bottom, when Jesus gave his life, it, Jesus was making a way for us. He was taking away that separation. He was making, bridging that gap, you know, that we could have a relationship. It wasn't all about religion anymore. It was a relationship that we could have through Jesus with our God. And I love that. Freedom came at a price and Jesus paid it. Secondly, second point. I believe that freedom is a starting point, not just the destination. Freedom is a starting point, not just a destination. You see, we often hope for freedom to be our destination, our end goal. But I believe God has planned for freedom to be our starting point tonight. I believe God has planned for freedom to be a starting point. What do you have to do to be a follower of Jesus, to be a Christian? Ever since Jesus walked the earth, people have been debating just what, what, does, it, what, makes, what does it make to be a follower of Jesus? In this world, if you, if you want to get into a, a club or something like that, you might have to pay uh, a membership or, or your dues or whatever. But over the centuries, a lot of people have come up with a lot of different requirements for being a follower of Jesus. You know, if you want to be a Christian, you must belong to this particular church or you've got to do certain good works that, that God's going to be pleased with you. You know, the Bible answer to how do we become followers of Jesus is simple. We just have to trust Jesus and follow him. You know, Jesus says, come follow me, come with me. We accept Christ, we believe yes, and it's faith in him. But there's nothing that we could do to make us righteous, to make us uh, good enough uh, to be followers of Jesus because Jesus has done it all for us. He's done everything that we, we could never do. 
Nothing that we could ever do to, to make us right with God. But Jesus did it all at the cross. And that's why Paul tells us, and I'll say it again in Galatians 5.1, it was for freedom that Christ made you free, set you free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again to the yoke of slavery. Christ has set you free, free from sin, free from death and from any requirements to earn God's favour. God loves you. God loves you as you are. Yes, and we say often in church, He doesn't leave us that way. He wants to change us. He wants to grow us. But He loves you as you are and He accepts you as you are. That's the place of freedom you can know today because He accepts you as you are. He loves you as you are. But Paul wrote his letter to the church, the Galatian church, for a specific reason. Because someone was trying to make them slaves again. They'd been set free. Jesus had set them free. But that people were trying to make them slaves again. And the doubt which the Galatians had in common is one amongst many Christians or believers. You know, doesn't God really require us to do something to, to get forgiven, to find forgiveness? Do, doesn't God require more from us? Doesn't God have some requirements for us to fulfil? God can't really forgive our sins for free. Can he really do that for free, for freedom? You know, the Galatians knew God's word and Paul had told them God's promise. He kept reminding them that it's by grace that you have been saved through faith, not, not from yourselves. It is a gift of God and not by works. God tells us that our forgiveness and our place in heaven is a gift. It's a free gift through Jesus, our Saviour. Yet as humans, I think the problem is we have a difficulty with that idea of something being free. You know that in this world, if you want anything worthwhile, you've got to pay for it. You know, it's got to be worth something. It's got to cost us something. Salvation is the best thing there is. So how can it be possibly be free? So human reasons say it can't be free and we, we try to go about earning God's favour. We try and work for it. And that's what was happening in the church, the Galatian church. Someone had come and told them, you know, to be a real Christian, not only do you need faith in Christ, but you also have to go back to following those religious rituals to be accepted by God. And that might not seem like a big deal, but according to Paul, it was a big deal when you were adding that to the requirements of being a follower of Jesus, because it's Jesus that sets you free. Not those religious things, those things that you had to do, that yoke of slavery. You see, it's about relationship, not religion. Jesus wants a relationship with you, not a following a set of rules, but he wants a relationship with you. And Paul says that it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, stand firm. And do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Paul talks about the Christian faith in terms of freedom and then urges the Galatians, don't be yoked again. Don't be burdened by that yoke of slavery. When freedom is your starting point, not just your destination, it sets us free. It sets us free today. But if we stand firm in that, we can know that freedom continually, day by day, throughout our lives. There's this great story of Paul and Silas, which I think just captures what I'm talking about in a moment. And it's in Acts 16, verses 22 to 25. When we think about freedom being our starting point, let's just read this story. Paul and Silas are in prison and the crowd joining the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. 
At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. I love that. That picture, that thought of Paul and Silas being in chains, being in prison. But you know, even in that physical state of of being bound like that, they were praising God. They were praying. They were singing hymns and, and praises to God. Because I believe freedom was their starting point. They were free. They weren't physically free. They were bound. They were in chains. But they were well in their soul. They were trusting God. They were praising God. They were praising God in that moment because they realised that freedom was a condition of their heart. They were free inside, physically bound. I want you to know that kind of freedom. Whatever you might be facing tonight, you can know freedom. You can know a peace. You can know a strength that comes from God and from the freedom that Jesus has won for you tonight. I really believe that. And the third thing, the third thing, we've said it a few times tonight, but for freedom's sake, stand firm. For the sake of freedom, stand firm. It's what I began with. You know, stand firm, remain free. It was for freedom that Christ has made you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. I love what Nelson Mandela said this when he he came out of prison. And he'd been in jail for, for many years in South Africa. And he said this, as I walked out the door toward the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew that if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be in prison. Wasn't it a powerful thought to show that you can be physically free, you can walk out free, but there are things that can hold us back. Even, uh, you know, even in that place where we think we're free, we can still be bound. Something can still, you know, hold us and have us in chains. And I think in standing firm in our freedom, there are things that we need to leave behind. There are things that we need to let go. There may be attitudes that we need to, to let go of. And real freedom, I think, is when we can let go of those things. Bedtime in our house used to be a challenge, uh, trying to get the kids to bed. Still is, to be honest. But, um, but, but kids, as you know, kids like to stay up. They want to stay up with mum and dad. And our kids used to come up with every excuse in the book, every delay tactic that they could, come, that they could imagine to avoid going to bed on time and uh, boy they came up with some ideas but uh, if you'd ask them uh, what does freedom look like I think for them at that time being able to go to bed when they want and not when we want that would have been freedom for them and many of us would define I suppose freedom in a similar way we we feel free when we get to do the things that we want to do we get to do the things that we want to do we don't feel as free when there are things we don't have as much choice about like going to work tomorrow morning, doing the household jobs. Uh, we don't like doing that. Finishing our homework, you know, doing our, get, you know, revising for exams. Those things that we know we have to do, but we don't feel very free when we have to do them. And the Apostle Paul knew well the dangers of freedom. And later in this chapter, in chapter five, he reminds the Galatians that even followers of Jesus, you know, we will fall out. He even says that Christians will bite and devour one another. It's not a great picture, is it, of uh, people in community. But if we understand freedom as being able to do whatever we want, then that freedom, I think, can, will destroy community. Being able to do whatever we want without any responsibility, without any constraints, really isn't freedom. You know, I think... It, what he says later is, is powerful. It's in, it's in verse 13 and 14, Galatians 5, and it's from the message. 
He says, it is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. That's so important, you know. We can know freedom, but we've got to be careful, protect freedom, stand firm in that freedom and don't let it be an excuse to do whatever we want to do. Rather use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. Isn't that powerful? You know, just that just really comes out at me. Rather use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. For everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence. Love others as you love yourself. And that's an act of true freedom. I love that thought that real freedom, true freedom, is not me getting to do what I want, but it's me loving others. It's me loving my world. It's me, us as a church, saying, what can we do to change lives? What can we do to see lives transform? What can we do to introduce people to this man, Jesus, that's given us freedom? And we want them to be free as well. And it's loving others. And I love that thought. It's not about us getting what we want to do, but it's us laying down our lives. And according to Paul, true freedom is precisely the foundation for community because it means freedom from sin as well as from law. You know, a community is destroyed not by freedom, but that unrestrained desire to do whatever we want to do, not what God wants for us. And he wants the best for us. He wants the best for you. See, sin or selfishness, if you like, can take over. And we have to think about ourselves or think about others above ourselves. That's what community is. And I think true freedom is produced by the Holy Spirit. It's expressed uh, in love for our neighbour and in joy, peace, patience, etc. It'll build up community. And that's why he finishes right at the end of that chapter, uh, of chapter 5, with, with the Holy Spirit producing this kind of fruit. Verse 22 in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these things. See, the Holy Spirit, I think, gives us the power to remain in freedom. My prayer is that you'll know that, that power that the Holy Spirit brings to us that helps us to stand firm in the freedom that Jesus has given us, that that Jesus has won for us. And I love the thought that tonight you can know that freedom, but my encouragement to you tonight is to stand firm in that freedom. Stand firm, don't get lost, don't wander off. God's got a place for you right here where you can know true freedom. Just to sum up tonight, the band want to come back. See, even in exile, even in a place, even in a broken world that sin and sickness and those fears and anxieties that are all around us, I think we can know true freedom tonight. We can know a real freedom, an inner freedom, that your soul is well, that all the stuff that's happening around you is happening, but something or, or someone, Jesus has broken the chains that hold you. Jesus paid the price for that freedom. You know, and we can know that freedom right now in our lives. And it can be a starting point. It doesn't have to be a destination. It's not that we're going to get free. But Jesus wants you to know freedom tonight, right here in this place. And for freedom's sake, stand firm. Stand firm in that freedom. Stand firm in that freedom. Why don't we stand together? I'm going to pray. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to worship in a moment, but I want us to pray. Because I really, my heart tonight was that, you know, people here in in this room, in this place tonight would just know a a true sense of real freedom. 
you know, and it's not necessarily everything that's happening in your world right now suddenly goes and disappears, you know, because stuff happens. And we, as I said, this is a broken world and, you know, we're all facing things tonight, I'm sure. But what I do know is Jesus paid a price for freedom and a freedom that we can experience and we can know in our lives. Whatever's happening around us, whatever's raging off around us, you can have an inner sense that that God is with you, that His love has set you free. His grace is working your life right now. And I just want to pray for you and I want to pray for everyone in this room tonight before we worship. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he has set us free. Thank you that he paid that price. I thank you, Lord, for freedom's sake, Lord, that we could, tonight we can stand firm in that freedom. Lord, that we can know that freedom changing our lives, changing, Lord, everything that's going off in our world, that we can have a peace, Lord. Lord, even when things are raging around us, we can know a peace, Lord, that, uh, that is so powerful, Lord. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll help us. Give us that power to stand firm to stand firm in that freedom. Let that freedom grow, Lord, and help us, Lord, grow in community, Lord. Let it be a freedom that not only changes our life, but it changes those around us, changes our world, Lord, that we can have an impact on those around us. Lord, that we've got something to share. We've got something to offer others, Lord. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we worship right now?